I love to sit and look through those holy pages And read about the eternal rock of ages See all that God has done, the battles he has won The great prophecies unfold In every book from Genesis to Revelation I see his loving grace and this great salvation Brings courage to my soul, for I know he's in control. I believe every word is true. Yes, I believe every word that he said is true. I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do. How I love his precious... It's time now for the Teaching Timeless Truths radio broadcast with Pastor Roger Walton. So get your Bible, a pen, and your Bible study notebook as we journey through the truths of God's Word. And now with today's Timeless Truth, here's Pastor Walton. Luke's Gospel, chapter number 17. Luke's Gospel, chapter number 17. The last few chapters in this one, Christ is on his way. He's moving towards Jerusalem. He's headed from Galilee to Jerusalem where things are going to happen that he knows about. And he's uh, going that direction on purpose to head to the cross. But I find so unique is instead of just saying, okay, I'm going to get there, he takes the time to deal with people of various uh, types on his way. And in so he encounters those who want to hear from him, those who have faith in him, those who want to see him, and those who are angry with him. And he deals with all kinds of people. When we get to chapter 17, he really has three major things that he does here. First, he deals with conduct, the regulating of conduct. He then talks about the restoring of health because he does something there that restores some health. And then he talks about the revealing of the future. He gives them a little uh, insight into what's coming. But like usual, in this time that of the New Testament, they, they miss a lot of what he's saying because of the fact that they are looking at a kingdom there and not at what he's showing, a kingdom in heaven. So let's start off with this regulating of conduct. He said in verse 1, Then said he unto the disciples, It is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom? they come. Uh, This idea of offenses, that word is a very interesting word. It means stumbling blocks, a snare, a trap, an occasion to fall or stumble. And, you know, it's just impossible to get through life. It's absolutely impossible without the stumbling blocks of life. There's just, there are obstacles, there are people, there are things, there are situations that they just always are coming up. It's impossible to make it without stumbling blocks being thrown in our way. People love to throw stumbling blocks into people's way. They were doing that to Jesus all the time. This they did to try to trap him. This they did to try to trick him. This they tried to do to get him tangled in his words. And they got irritated because they could never get him tangled in his words. You know, they thought, every time they thought they had him, he would come up with an answer. Like, you know, hey, you, they're calling you king. What about Caesar? He said, give me a coin. Whose inscription is this? They said, Caesar's. He said, render unto Caesar's the things that are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. And they didn't know what to say. At one point, they even said something to the effect of, hey, 
How do you do all this? Where did you get your authority? And Jesus said, well, I'll answer that if you'll answer me a question. John the Baptist, was he a prophet or not? And they said, we can't win on that answer. If we say he's not a prophet, the people hold him as a prophet. They're going to be all upset at us. And if we say he is a prophet, then Jesus is going to say, then why didn't you listen to him and get baptized by him? He said, we can't tell you. Jesus said, I don't tell you either how I do what I do. So they could never snare him or get hold of him. And it's impossible to get through life without people throwing stumbling blocks. But listen to the woe in this thing. But woe unto him through whom they come. It's amazing of how we can see people love to do that, but they never take the warning about what it is. It's woe unto you for who it's coming. If you are causing somebody to stumble, and even Paul, dealing with Christians in his writings, said, don't be a stumbling block to a fellow Christian because you don't want to do anything that causes somebody to fall out of the way. Now, he says in verse 2, it were better for him, the one who causes it, that a millstone were hanged about his neck and cast into the sea that, than that he should offend one of these little ones. My goodness, we don't want to influence in the wrong direction. My friend, Christian, non-Christian, why do we want to influence people in a way that is not right? I think of people that influence uh, people to go against authority. Growing up, I had no shortage of people, even before I was saved, influencing me to go against my parents. Kids my age saying, oh, just rebel. I remember one time I was uh, hearing my son, my, my oldest son, was very little, probably in kindergarten, and he had a friend from the Christian school who was there, and he's in kindergarten, and they're in the carport, and I'm listening to the conversation as I was in the kitchen getting something, and I could hear my son saying, I need to tell my dad what we did. I thought, well, this is interesting. I wonder what they did, because that, that piqued my interest. And so I just continued to listen to see how this was going to go. And the other little boy said, no, don't tell your dad. Lie to him. I lied to my dad all the time. Well, my children weren't raised to do that. And finally, I just went in and sat down and waited to see if he was going to follow through and come tell me, which he did. And when he told me what had happened, which was they had taken some mud and they were throwing at each other, and they ended up throwing it at a house next door, and it stuck to the wall of the house on the outside. And so when uh, he came in and told me, I said, you know, it's a good thing that you came and told me because I already knew. And if you hadn't have, you'd have been in a whole lot more trouble. And so I did go to the father of this child and say, look, I'm taking my boy over to tell the guy what happened. And your boy was involved in it. I heard him tell, you know, my son that lie to you because you'll believe it and and he said no my son doesn't lie to me and I just take my son's word over yours so over me the adult who heard it he took his word and my poor son had to go knock on the door and tell this man what he did and then clean it up I didn't punish him any other way because he came and told me but that was uh that was hard on him and I said look what's going to happen is that kid will grow up if he doesn't change very quickly and he will lie his way through life and woe unto him that causes that. He almost caused you to stumble, but he didn't. 
had he caused you to stumble, it would have cost you big time. Praise the Lord, you didn't let it happen. Now, watch what he does here because he says here, take heed to yourselves. Now, he, he's talking and he says, look, you focus on being a good example. You get firm in dealing with your people. You're firm. Do not fall for stumbling blocks. But what you ought to do is take heed to yourself. The idea is pay attention. Give head. Beware. If thy brother trespass against thee, if he offends against you, rebuke him. Straightly charge him. Give him that rebuke, okay? Put the finger, say, look. And then if he repent to think differently, to make a 180-degree turn, forgive him. And if he trespassed against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day, turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. The idea here is we need to live in a state of forgiveness. We stay firm in our dealings, but when they repent, we forgive for the thing that they try to get us to do. And then hopefully we can increase our faith. And that's exactly what the apostles said in verse number five. The apostles said unto the Lord, increase our faith. He said, look, you got someone sins against you over and over again, and they keep saying, I, I repent. You've got to forgive. And their response was increase our faith. <laughs> it's kind of hard, isn't it, to, to forgive. We, we don't like to forgive when people do things against us. It gets on our grain, and we go, hmm. You know, and we, we, our first thought is vengeance is mine. I will take care of this. But God says, no, vengeance is his. And he will repay, and he has the record, and let him keep the record. And so he then talks about dealing with this faith. He's talking about their conduct. Don't fall for all this, but instead have the kind of faith that can forgive those who offend, and the kind of faith that allows you to live above and beyond the stumbling blocks of life. Now watch. The Lord said, if ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say unto this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. Hmm. So it says, if you just had a little bit of faith, you could have this tree moved if you just had a little bit of faith. Now, what he's saying is, it takes just a little bit of faith to do a lot for God, which shows how little faith that we actually have. Now, that's the sad part about it, how little faith we actually have that we need to get hold of. Have faith. Get the word faith. The word faith is the word of conviction of truth. We believe what the word says. We believe we have a confident assurance in the very words of God. And he says it just takes a little small amount of genuine, honest-to-goodness, real faith conviction of truth, belief, totally convinced that God means what he says and says what he means. He says, but which of you having a servant plowing or feeding cattle will say unto him by and by when he has come from the field, go and sit down to meat. 
and will not rather say unto him, Make ready wherewith I may sup, and gird thyself, and serve me, till I have eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. Well, it's the servant. Of course it's going to be that way. Doth he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I trow not, or I think not. So likewise, ye, when ye shall have done all these things which are commanded you, these things about not falling for it and forgiving your brethren, and each time they do it, forgiving them, and if they repent, you forgive them, you, go, you do that because we are just like that servant. We have done what our duty was. Now watch that. So likewise, when you shall have done all these things which are commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. We've done what we were supposed to do. We've done that which we were asked to do. My friend, there's nothing greater than just doing what you're asked to do. Just being right there, obedient to the very things that God says do. And so we have to have a conduct that's right and a conduct that forgives when people don't have the conduct that's right. Okay? Those are things we need to have. Now he comes into a ministering in the health, a restoring of health. And this is a bad disease here. Verse 11, it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem, he's still going, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off, which they're supposed to. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, they're, they're supposed to cry out, unclean, unclean. And this is, of course, in the area of Israel. This is what Israel's were supposed to do. But watch what happens here. As they lift up their voice, when he, Jesus, saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves unto the priest. Now, think about this. Go show yourselves unto the priest. If they were cleansed, that's what they were supposed to do because the priest had to pronounce them clean according to the Old Testament. And so he tells them, that's the only words. He doesn't say you're healed or he just says, go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, so they went. They started going. Faith has to take the first step, okay? They have to take the first step. And they did. As they went, they were cleansed. Now watch. One. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Now, think about this. This is one of those that's not liked. They're, they're half-breed and they're not liked. They went around Samaria. Jesus went through Samaria. He said he went right through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Ten lepers cry out. He tells them to go show themselves to the priest. They go and they're cleansed on their way. One is so thrilled with what Jesus did. He actually wants to have a heart of gratitude. He turns about. He comes back with a loud voice. He glorifies God. He falls down at his feet and he thanks him. Jesus answering said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God save this stranger. And he said unto him, arise, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Now, let me tell you what's happened here. Ten men left. Ten men were cleansed of the leprosy physically. 
one man was cleansed of the leprosy of sin and his faith made him completely whole. He found his way to Jesus Christ. Only one out of nine. Ten. One out of ten. Nine didn't make it. They just were thrilled to have the physical healing. Now, I love my physical healing when I go through hard places, but my friend, I would much rather have my spiritual healing than that. Both of them together is even greater, but spiritual is the most important thing because that's where I will live forever and forever and forever. And spiritually, he could have lived in hell forever and ever and ever, but he turned back, gave glory to God. He realized it, and he, he knew who he was at that point. Hey, look what he did. And my soul, what a change for just one man, only one, one out of ten. What a sad state of affairs when one only returns to give thanks. We live in a generation of unthankfulness, and we will miss a lot of blessings when we lose our thankfulness and our gratitude. That then turns the corner to the bulk of the chapter where he deals with the revealing of the future. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Now, what he's saying there is, it doesn't come with a, a, a uh, visibility that you can see. You can't see what you're wanting to see. The idea is it does not come with a visible display. You will not see it. He said, neither shall they say, lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Now, one of the things that we're going to learn, God wanted to dwell among men. We, when we go back to dwell among men, he, he did so by having them build the tabernacle, which they took everywhere they went, and they would set it up. They would tear it down, move, set it up. And that's where God would come in and meet. When we get to Solomon, Solomon builds the temple, but God said, I never asked for a house to live in. Nonetheless, he blessed it and said, if you will be obedient, I will put my presence there. But when we get to the New Testament, we see things about the tabernacle. We think that Jesus came and dwelt among us. The word literally means tabernacle. He took on the tent of humanity. But what we do see is in the word temple, we see a new meaning. And the new meaning is the temple of God is within us. We, when we're saved, we now have Christ in us, the Holy Spirit in us. We are now the temple of God. Our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And we need to be careful how we watch, what we do with that temple. We need to keep it clean. They're wanting a visible something out here, tangible, touching. No, it's inside. It's what's inside of you. This is the temple. And you either are going to trust Christ and he's going to live inside of you, or you don't have a temple that he lives in. He said, look, the days will come. And as he said unto the disciples, the days will come when you shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and ye shall not see it. And they shall say to you, see here or see there, go not after them, nor follow them. For as the lightning that lighteth out of one part under heaven shineth unto the other part of heaven, so also shall the Son of Man be in his day. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. Now, I'm going to get into the, the next part in just a minute, but let me just explain where we're at in the Gospel of Luke. 
when you're here in verse 20 to the end of the chapter of chapter 17, where we're at is in Matthew's gospel, what we call the Olivet Discourse, Matthew 24. It's just there's not as much. He doesn't record all of it. Luke just records a part of it and goes on. Matthew records more of it because Matthew wrote to the Jews and it was really important because it was all about a question that the disciples asked. Actually, they asked several questions. Jesus didn't answer the one about when, just like here, but he did answer uh, the signs. And uh, that was all these things would happen. There would be wars and rumors of wars. There would be many people saying they're Christ and would deceive many. And he would give them all kinds of things, a lot more in Matthew than what is given here. But he does also tell them, like in Luke here, he does tell them in Matthew, verse 26 of Luke 17, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. All right, now here's the deal. When they were in this ark time, watching Noah build it, when Noah was preaching that 120 years, he was a preacher of righteousness. When they were seeing all that, they didn't believe him. They mocked him. They had nothing to do with him, and none of them got on. Yet they continued to live like everything was going to be normal. They lived normal. They did what they always did. Nothing changed. A lot of what I see in our world today, really nothing's changed. We are more wicked. We come up with more ways to sin, but nothing's changed. Man says, I'm going to live my life apart from God, and unless they get saved, they continue to do so no matter how many times we preach about a rapture that's coming and a fire judgment, just like they kept living and did not think or heed any warning from Noah. But I want you to, to mark this down because it's really important. There came a point in time where God said, enough. Now it's time, Noah. Get all the animals on the ark. Get your family on the ark. And when they all got on the ark and they got in, God shut the door. Not Noah. Noah didn't shut the door in this generation. God did. And God will be the one that will shut the door on the church age. He will do it through a trumpet and the church rising. He said, that's what's going to happen. He said, this is what they did in the days of Noah. He said, not only that, likewise also as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, and they built it. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Now, think about that. God got Lot out because he was one of his. Though reading the Old Testament, you would say, no, that's not true. That didn't happen. You have to go to the New Testament where it says, for he delivered that righteous man, vexed with the right, just Lot, righteous Lot, vexed with the righteous of his soul. Hey, man, how could that be? How could he be so far away? Because he got his eyes on the better land, and then he started moving towards the city. Then he got in the city, and then he was in the government of the city, and then he was part of it. And he couldn't even get his kids out. Oh, he got two daughters out, 
that were unmarried and they were wicked enough to create two nations because of their sin and his wife turned back and turned into a pillar of salt so he says when that day comes he's talking about future he's talking about way back he's saying the kingdom of god it's coming at a time at the end of time he said in that day he which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house let him not come down and take it away and he that's in the field let him likewise not return back remember lot's wife don't turn back Mm -mm. he says here whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it and whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it I tell you, in that night there shall be two men in one bed. One shall be taken, the other left. Two men shall be grinding. Uh, one shall be taken, the other left. Two men shall be in the field. One taken, one the other left. And they answered and said unto him, Lord, where, Lord? And he said, wherever the body is, thither will the eagles be gathered. By the way, this is not a rapture. If, it's, if you call this a rapture, it's a reverse rapture because the one that is taken is not taken away for a good thing. It's taken away in judgment. It's not a rapture at all. It is that which is coming with the Jews. See, the church goes out, then we turn back to the Jews. I, I believe if you look at the book of Acts, you see a transition from the Jews to the Gentiles. And Jerusalem will be trodden down by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. I honestly believe in the very generation that you and I are in right now, watching what we've seen, starting back with uh, Israel becoming a nation again in 1948, very slowly and now very rapidly with all the Jews going back and all this going on, we are seeing the pendulum swing now from the Gentiles back to the Jews. And the final capitulation will be when we are called out and God will then start dealing with his chosen people again and he will open their eyes he's bringing them back in unbelief now they will come back again in belief once we're out and they will make this statement where did you get the wounds in those hands and Jesus will say in the house of my friends and the disciples said look we want to know Lord where are these things going to happen when are they going to be and he didn't add some when he just told him look for these signs when you see these signs and if you want to see a more descriptive view of it it's Matthew 24 the Olivet Discourse because it's in a much more detailed manner and he gives all kinds of signs of deception and ruin wars and people against each other and fathers against sons and sons against uh, children and wives and all kinds of things that will happen in those end times that are horrible he gives them a little insight into the future but they don't always get it. They don't always see it. And that's a sad thing when people miss when Christ is talking. By the way, there's nothing worse than going to church and the Lord has something to say and we miss it. There's nothing worse than opening your Bible. You've got to have something to say, but we're just too distracted as we read and we miss it. There's nothing worse than the Lord, Spirit of God, speaking to our heart and we get all bent out of shape over something else and we miss it. Stay close, stay tuned, stay right, stay living. And God can open your eyes to a lot of awesome things if you'll just listen to him. Father, we pray that you'll help us to realize that you have things you want us to learn, things you want us to know. We've got to be open to it. There's going to be stumbling blocks and things put in our way. We've got to be careful. And we need to be forgiving for those who try to do it. Just not stumble and then forgive them when, they, when we rebuke them. Pray, Lord, that you would encourage us to think through everything and make sure we know that we're right with you. In Jesus' name, amen. This is Pastor Walton praying you have an absolutely yes, wonderful day. Yes, I believe day. every word that
said is true I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do How I love his precious word, it thrills me through and through I believe every word is true Oh, I believe every word that he said is true I believe he'll do exactly what he said he would do How I love his precious word, it thrills me through and through You've been listening to the Teaching Timeless Truths radio broadcast with Pastor Roger Walton. You can send all correspondence to tttbroadcasts at gmail.com. Tune in again next week for another Timeless Truth.